Are you ready for God's Word today? I am ready to. Why don't you get your Bible and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, everybody. And, uh, you know, this is a different, it's interesting how God moves in different seasons. And for years and years and years, most of you know this, you've been here, I always would teach or preach in a series. Uh, and I would say, we're in a series of messages about this and that or whatever the case may be. And I think sometimes trusting God is about message series. And sometimes I think where God has me right now is this really cool place because I think where our church is going is a new place. I think God's moving in a new way. We talked about that last week, a new, a new way, a new day, a new day, a new way. Um, and I think that was a message for our church. And so now uh, the way God's working in my life is I don't know what I'm preaching next week. I don't know when I'll do a series again. What I do is I just get with God and I say, God, what is the word for this week? And so it's a place of faith for me because I like having a plan, everybody. Uh, It's a place of faith for me just to say, God, I want your word fresh for this week. And I've got a fresh word for you this week. Uh, And it comes to us from Ephesians chapter 6. And, um, and so I want to jump in together and let's, let's study God's Word. And I'm believing today, uh, this is kind of, I'm going back a little bit, but instead of just giving a good talk and we pray and go home, I'm believing today that God's going to impart to you supernaturally some things into your life. There is an impartation of the Spirit of God. That's why Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel. And when I preach the gospel, he said, stuff's going to happen. Prisoners are going to be set free. Blind people are going to see, right? And so, um, and so to me, I believe, you know, God said he sent his word and he healed them. So I was even praying this week. I was like, God, as I preach the word, as the word goes out, heal people. And so I just, God's doing something different even in my own heart and life. And so I can't hardly contain myself, but we're going to dive in together. Ephesians 6, chapter 10. Most of you know Ephesus. Uh, Paul started, uh, really came to Ephesus, his third missionary journey. That's where the church comes from. Uh, And he served nearly, I think, nearly three years in Ephesus. Um, And then uh, we know he writes to the Ephesians when he's in prison in Rome. And so... um, this is Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 10. And Ephesians is a cool book, y'all, by the way. It's a cool book because it's like six chapters, and the first three are kind of like doctrine, right? Like the first three are like what you believe, and the next three are how you live it. It's like a really cool book. Anyways, one of my favorites. Anyways, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong. Everybody say, be strong. Be strong, be strong in the Lord. Everybody say, in the Lord. In the Lord. Paul is not telling you to be strong in you. He is telling you to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And then he goes, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Now, I'm not going to preach on the armor of God today. Really, what I want to preach to you comes from verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, why do I need to be strong in the Lord? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, and rulers, and spiritual hosts of wickedness. And so I want to talk to you today, I I, I call this message, Save Your Strength. 
Save your strength. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we are here, God, in your presence, and you are here with us, and you are speaking and moving. We don't want to miss a word from you. So, God, I just pray we would lean in, tune in. God, our hearts would open up, and we would receive exactly what you want to say today to us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 You know, I was thinking about this, um, and I talked to the staff a little bit about it. It's kind of been my heart lately. Isn't it interesting? To me, it's interesting. It's interesting that everyone I meet has something that seems to be in common, and that is they're exhausted. Like, everybody's exhausted. Now, Now, if you're here and you're like, I, now, I'm not hating on exhausted people, right? So let's just, let me, let me clarify, okay? All right, let me clarify. I'm not like going to be mad. I'm not saying you're wrong for being exhausted. But everybody I was, I, I've encountered is we're exhausted, we're exhausted, we're exhausted. So to me as a pastor, I start thinking, I wonder what's going on. Like I want to know, I'm one of those, like this is how I preach about every message that I preach. I just ask questions. And then I bring you the answers that I've been asking. Right? And this is, this is, there's my secret. <laughs> and so I was in there, I'm like, God, why is everybody so tired? Like, I know what it is to be exhausted. I know what it is to be tired. I was talking to our staff. I even did a post on Instagram about being exhausted because people say I'm exhausted, I'm tired. And what that seems to infer when people say I'm tired is that I need physical rest, but I don't think that's the problem. I don't think that's the problem. And I'll tell you why I don't think that's the problem because Jan and I were watching a show about people in the pioneer days, like in the 1800s. And I was watching, you know, like, guys, they had to, like, they didn't, there's no microwave. Like, they're like, let me get you something to eat, and that means I'm about to go kill an animal, and in about four hours, we're going to have something to eat, right? You know, I got to plant it, grow it, kill it, you know, cook it, you know, and then they're, like, sleeping on the ground, and they don't have GPS, and everything's a four-day ride from wherever they want to be. I'm like, these people are tough. I would not have survived. I would not have survived. I mean, maybe I would, but I'm just saying they were tough. So I'm sitting here, and then I'm thinking about us today. Like, us today, like, they had to go grow their own food and kill their own food. We don't even go to the grocery store. We get Instacart, and they bring it to us. Like, we don't even go to the grocery store. You know, I'm just thinking about this. And then they sleep on the ground. We sleep on these bougie mattresses. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got bougie mad Tempur-Pedics and things that adjust. One side can be one level of softness and the other level, you know what I'm saying? And then, and then we don't, nothing's a four-day ride. We all have air-conditioned cars with radios and comfortable seats that recline. And you know what I'm saying? And I'm just sitting here, and, and so then I'm thinking, like, and, and most people, there, there are people, absolutely, like firemen, who if they're on, if they're on a call, th- that's very physically demanding. But I would say a lot of people don't have physically demanding jobs. My job is not physically demanding, you know, I walk around and sit and talk all day. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, and, and I'm like, but why are we so tired? Because we're not physically tired. So, so to me, you, you kind of have these four tanks. I don't have time to talk about this, but you have a physical tank, emotional tank, a mental tank, um, and a spiritual tank. And when one of those tanks gets low, you say I'm exhausted, but the question is, which tank is actually low? Well, I realize it's not the physical tank. And, and here's what I came to is really Ephesians chapter 6. Because I thought, I think Paul's talking to some people, and he's needing them to know the reason you're tired and the reason you feel weak is because you are fighting in a spiritual war, whether you realize it or not. 
I think people are exhausted because we are in spiritual warfare and in a spiritual war, and most people don't even acknowledge that there are spirits. And I'm talking about the church because, like, you start talking about demons in church. Well, I don't believe there are demons anymore, and I don't believe, you know, in any of that, you know, kind of stuff, that dark stuff and all that kind of thing. Well, here's the problem you have. Jesus believed in demons. God believes in demons. The apostle Paul believed in demons. Everybody you read about in the Bible believed in demons. If you've ever done a Daniel fast, remember he had a whole conversation about spiritual warfare between demons. Daniel chapter 10. We'll talk about it in a minute. So, so my point is this. I think Christians are exhausted, and I even think Christians are getting beat up because you're in a warfare you haven't engaged in, and you have an enemy you haven't acknowledged. And I think Paul's writing to them. He's like, hey, guys, hey, guys, I want you to understand there is a spiritual war. And you know what the enemy does to get us worn out? The first thing he does is he is interesting. God is trying to convince you he exists, and the devil's trying to convince you he doesn't. Because if you don't believe there's demons or a devil, then he will beat you to death, and you'll blame your husband. What do you think Paul's saying? We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. So if I'm the devil and I get you to not believe in me, I'll convince you all those people are the problem and you'll be fighting with people on Instagram wearing yourself out. Are you with me? In fact, he said there is so much demonic activity. They have a structured form of execution and government and how they carry out their business. We just read it. Did y'all see it? Because he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, everybody, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers, and spiritual hosts of wickedness. What is great about Paul is he has some phenomenal revelation. He had so much revelation he couldn't share it, so much revelation he had to pray about pride because he had so much revelation. Seriously. Like Paul, and, and so check, check this, like, like I don't know if you've ever seen this, but, but these are, this is actually a hierarchy structure of demonic activity. I don't know why I think you need to know this, but I think you need to know this. Because you're in a war, that's why. The Holy Spirit said, well, because they're in the war, right? Principal, what are principalities? Well, the word in the Greek, what he's actually talking about is a prince that rules a region. It's authority over a region. Now you say, is that really true? There could be a demon that has authority over a region? Well, if you read Daniel chapter 10, Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is praying for 21 days. Remember that? And when the angel finally shows up, he says, I'm paraphrasing Daniel chapter 10, but you can go read it. That's your homework, right? But, But he basically, the angel says, the first day you prayed, I was dispatched to you. But there, I engaged in a war with the prince of Persia. And Michael, the archangel, had to come to my aid. Now, I'm just going to say, if it's angels and they're fighting and it's in the heavenlies, the prince of Persia wasn't a human. Are you with me? All right. So he's talking about a spiritual war that was affecting how God wanted to move on the earth and, and affecting the answer that Daniel was even praying for and, and affecting what Dan, how Daniel was going to live and move and lead from that point on. There's this whole spiritual war. And then he goes on to say, and then, hey, I got to go back and fight with the prince of Persia, and I'm also going to encounter the prince of Greece. What are those? Principalities. It's right there. Principalities. In your Bible. 
principalities. Somebody said, do you think there's a principality over, over the United States? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's one over East Texas. I can tell you what it is. It's a religious spirit. I've never been in a place like East Texas where people are so spiritual, they don't go to church. They actually use their spirituality as an excuse to not be a part of a church. Like, where, like do you understand how could you know the Bible? But I have counted, well, Pastor, we don't, we're the church, but we don't attend the church. Then you're not the church because you don't even know what the word means. Because the word, ecclesia, is assembling, gathering. You might be saved, but you're not the church. You might be saved, but you're not doing what God called you to do. You know how I know that? There's over 30 things in the New Testament you can't do unless you're a member of a church. But here, people are like, well, I, I was hurt in church, and you know, I know more than the pastor. You know, I've been around. I've heard everything. Well, let me tell you what that is. That's pride. So what you need to do is get saved and join a church. But I'm just telling you, here, there is such a legalistic, like, like I walked through one of the hardest seasons in my life. I can't tell the story. It doesn't even matter. You know who I was crucified by? The church. Because the church, we love to crucify anybody in the church that's not doing what we think they need to do or falls below our standard. What do you think that is? Religious spirit because it's marked by pride. It's marked by pride. It's marked by comparison. It's marked by cynicism. It's marked by criticism. What do you think is ruling Longview, Texas, or this region? It's a religious spirit. I can't tell you how many people I've had, you know, that I know that don't go to church that are Christians. And the reason they don't go to church is they know more than the church, or they had this. And can I just say something else why I'm just saying what I want to say? Because I believe there's church hurt. I've been hurt in church. I've been hurt by spiritual leaders. I've been hurt by pastors. I was on a staff. I was hurt by a senior pastor. In fact, two different senior pastors. I was hurt as a member of a church. And as a pastor, I've been filleted about every way you can be filleted by good Christian people. But let me tell you something. So there's church hurt, and I think we have to turn that over to the Lord, and we don't throw out the church. Because can I just tell you, you know the church is the only thing Jesus established on the earth? On this rock I will build my... The only thing Jesus is building today is the church. And for us to say, well, I'm not going to be a part of it. My point is this. There is church hurt, and you can't throw the church out just because you got hurt. But let me say something else. Spiritual discipline is not spiritual abuse. And if a spiritual leader, a pastor, sits you down because you have sin in your life, because you're gossiping, because you're doing something wrong, and lovingly, and that's key, lovingly tries to help and pastor you through that, that's not spiritual abuse. That's spiritual discipline. And we all need spiritual discipline. There's times in my life I'd had spiritual leaders that sit me down and say, listen, boy, <laughs> like you got a lot of zeal, but you don't have much wisdom yet. You know, I've had those kind of conversations. And thank God for that. You understand what I'm saying? So I think there's a lot of people running around, I've got church hurt. No, what you did is you, you, you had spiritual discipline and you rebelled against it instead of letting God transform your life. Anyways, all right, principalities. We better get back to the text, y'all. Principalities, powers. What are powers? They're delegated, they're, they're, they're roaming spirits with delegated authority from principalities. Do you know that? I mean, that's what the word actually means. Uh, rulers of darkness, this is a picture of like boot camp. It's regimented, organized powers. And then spiritual hosts of wickedness, this is like the Navy SEALs of the demons. Do you know that? Because they are savage, 
wild, vicious, dangerous, and dispatched. I mean, they're, they're ruthless. And this, by the way, this is what Paul's explaining that they would have understood because they would have understood. The, the language, I mean, because we're going back to the Greek. Everybody understand what I'm saying? So he is using terms. And, and in the church, where we, we, you know, we have a lot of people who say, I don't know, are there really demons? I don't know, the demons aren't really after me. Do you understand what Paul just said? He said, the, they, the, the wiles of the enemy, you know what wiles is? It would be strategy. Here's what you need to understand. The devil has a strategy to destroy you. Do you have a strategy to win? Because if he has a strategy to destroy you, one, a part of that strategy, you know what a part of a strategy of anytime you want to destroy an enemy? Wear them out. Get them tired. Get them exhausted. And you need to understand that the enemy has, has a strategy and he's trying to defeat you. You might ask your question. Ooh, it's a good question. It's a good question. If I were Satan, how would I defeat me? Because that's probably where he's working right now. And if not, he'll be working there. So you need to understand we're in a spiritual war. And that's why, listen to me, that's why he says don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Why? Because that's what we tend to do as humans. That's why Paul is talking to the Ephesians. He's like, guys, guys, you are in a war. You are in a battle. There's this whole hierarchy of demonic power that's waging war against you. But you need to stop fighting with people. Church, can I tell you something? Stop fighting with people. Stop fighting with your kids. Stop fighting with your spouse. Start fi stop fighting with your boss. Stop. As a church, you know what I'd love for us to do? Stop fighting with the LGBTQ community. Stop fighting with them. You say, but pastor, you know, that's sin. Stop fighting with them. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Someone asked me, they said, they said, Pastor, what do you think is behind? What is motivating this LGBTQ agenda in our nation? I said, that's easy. It's demonic. And they said, how could you say that? I said, I didn't say that people who name themselves in that group are demons. You ask me what is driving and pushing and promoting that agenda and I said, it's very easy. It's demonic. And they said, how can you say that? I said, because it's a pride movement. Where's the first place in creation we see pride? Lucifer. I will ascend to, I will be like God. I will ascend to his throne. It was pride. If, it's, if there's pride in it, he's in it. Are you with me? Are you with me? If there's pride in it, he's in it. So, so when you're asking who is, who is promoting and who is, well, it's easy. It's the devil. And now, and it's also taking worship away from the creator to the creation. Something else he's really good at. It's just like Paul said, they, they no longer worship the creator. They worship the creation. In fact, they worship sex. And how do I know it's demonic? Because now we'll sacrifice children to sex because we will chemically castrate seven-year-old boys in an effort to worship the God of sex. How do I know what's behind it? It's easy if you just watch it. But we're not going to help anyone fighting with them. Are you with me? So we got to learn to fight differently. And that's why Paul's saying we'll wear ourselves out fighting with people.
We'll wear ourselves out wrestling with flesh and blood. Here's what, he, here's what you need to understand. He said we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but here's what he said. We are wrestling. We are wrestling. We're in, in fact, that, that word actually is hand-to-hand combat. Every day you get up, it's hand-to-hand combat. Well, I don't know. I'm just, I didn't know that's what being Christian was. Sorry. I mean, I don't know what your other choice is. I don't, I don't know what you're, I'm just being honest. You know what I'm saying? I'm just being honest. You fight and you win or you get beat up. I don't know what, you know, because can you really turn your back on God? No. Then, then what do you got to do? You got to learn to fight. That's why David said he, t- he trains my hands for war and my fingers to fight. Like you need to understand God has assured you victory. But, but you got to learn to fight. Are you with me? So to this, Paul says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong. How am I going to win? I'm going to be strong in the Lord. Look at this verse in the Amplified, Ephesians 6.10 in the Amplified. This is so good. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. That's good, isn't it? Be strong in the Lord. Look, how am I going to be strong in the Lord? I got to draw my strength from him and be empowered through your, my union with him because his, his, his might is, is boundless. That, that word uh, uh, strong there is actually, um, it's like the word endunamo in, in the Greek, endunamo. But the way you get that word is you add, you have, you break it, it's two words put together, in and dunamis. So he put in and dunamis together, you in dunamo, okay? And so what, mo, now most, especially if you're Pentecostal, you know what dunamis is because you've heard a sermon on it, right? Maybe in the Baptist church too, maybe in the Methodist church, I don't know. But I know Pentecostal, we always talk about dunamis. Why? Because it's in Acts, right? And you will receive dunamis, power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, right? That's what that word is, dynamite power, spiritual fervor right? Spiritual strength and might that comes not from you, from the Holy Spirit. So Paul is saying, be strong, what? By being filled, what? With the Spirit of God. Drawing your strength from the Spirit of God, not from yourself, right? Because of your union with Christ, then that is what makes you strong. Where he is weak, we are or where we are weak, he is, there it is, right? And so what he's saying is that our strength comes from him. Daniel 11 says, those who know their God will be strong. Those who know their God will be strong. In other words, spiritual strength, like, like it comes, the, the more I know him, the more I trust him, the more I rely on him, the more I believe in him, the stronger I become. So this is a spiritual strength because how many know if you're fighting the devil, that's a spiritual battle and you don't fight. The way you get exhausted is fighting spiritual battles naturally. Are you with me? You don't fight a spiritual battle naturally. You fight a spiritual battle spiritually. So we're in spiritual warfare. What, let me give you a definition for spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is maintaining what Christ has obtained. Okay? Maintaining what Christ has obtained. In other words, all the victory has been won. 
Christ has done everything. When he said it was, he was, it was finished, when he said that on the cross, it is finished, it's because he had paid for everything, right? He had paid for peace. He had paid for healing. He had paid for righteousness. He had paid for salvation. He had paid for justification. He had paid for victory. That's why Christ always leads us in triumph. Why? It's the only place he can lead because he's already paid for the victory. So, so if you're the devil, what is warfare then? Warfare is made, making you doubt what Christ has already obtained. Are you with me? Guys, I'm sorry. I'm, we're going to go to a deep level here. Like, like I, I, wanna, I just want to teach a little bit deeper than, than maybe status quo church stuff. Because I want to win, and I want you to win, and I want us to understand how this actually works. So I don't have a rah-rah today. We've got to use our brains, right? You understand what I'm saying? So spiritual warfare is about maintaining what Christ has obtained. Well, what does he obtain? Well, I mean, we, he was wounded for our transgressions, so he has obtained forgiveness. He was bruised for our iniquity. Um, that means he's changed to transform us on the inside and make us righteous. So he's paid for forgiveness and righteousness. The chastisement of our peace, well, what is that word? It's shalom in the, in the Hebrew. That means soundness, wholeness. That's wholeness of mind, wholeness of body, wholeness of emotion, soundness of mind, all, prosperity, peace, uh, success. All those things are tied up in that word shalom, right? And he paid for that, the punishment for that place on. And by his stripes, we were healed, according to Peter. I, uh, Isaiah says we are healed. Peter's looking back at the cross says we were healed. So, so what is Christ paid for? He's paid so you can have peace. He's paid so you can have joy. He's paid so you can be forgiven and you can be righteous and you can be justified. He's paid for, for, for you to be able to walk in your purpose and your destiny. He's paid for you to reconnect with the calling of God and the purpose of God over your life. He's paid to bless you and prosper you and increase you. All of that's been paid for. Spiritual warfare is about maintaining it. We don't obtain it, but we maintain it. And his warfare, the enemy's warfare, is about making you doubt that any of that is for you. Making you doubt that you're loved. Making you doubt that you're forgiven. Making you doubt that you're righteous or justified. Making you doubt that you can prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. That's where his battle is. He's trying to make you doubt who God is and everything God has done. So we got to save our strength. Can't fight with people. We got to learn to fight a different way. Okay, so according to the Bible, you ready for this? According to the Bible, you have, there are two forces set against you. Two different forces. You need to understand how to beat each one categorically. You ready? You're like, what are they? One is the world and one is the devil. Our demons, spiritual forces, just like what we read. One is the world and they're not the same. Not the same. Look, look at this verse. So let's talk about how we overcome the world. How we overcome the world. First John 2.16. For all that is in the world. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the world. Are we talking about the devil? No, we're talking about the world. Right? We're talking about God? Well, we are in just a minute, but you're going to see the difference between God and the world. Watch this. For all that is in the world, the less the flesh, the less the eyes and pride of life. All sin goes back to those three things. You can see those three things in the garden when Adam and Eve fell. When they saw the fruit, that's the lust of the eyes. When they saw that it was good for food, that's the lust of the flesh. And it was desirable to make them wise, that's the pride of life right there. All this in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Right? Is not of the Father. Okay, so it's the world, but it's not God. 
But is the devil? No, because he clarifies. But is of the world. He didn't say it was of the devil. Right? Is everybody tracking so far? So, so there is a world that is a fallen creation. Right? What do we see all around us? All this noise, if you will, in creation. You know what it is? Paul said it this way. Creation is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation knows it's broken. That's why when Jesus comes, he makes all things new. Okay, that's Revelation. Are you tracking with me? I feel like we're making good progress today. Like we're learning a lot today. All this in the world, it's not of the Father, it's of the world. And so we're, we're fighting in the world. Now, what, what does the world do? Well, the world, appeal, it appeals to our flesh, lust of the eyes, right? Does Satan use the world? Sure, Satan can use the world. He can use the world to tempt us. But there's a world and there's a Satan. You understand? They're not the same. And he said, so, so we're, we have a world that is set against us, a creation that has fallen and it's broken. And in this world, there's a lot of brokenness. Are, are you with me? Have you guys encountered this? In this world, there's a lot of chaos. Right? In this world, there's temptations. In this world, there are, there are trials. What did Jesus say? In this world, you will have tribulation, what do you say? But take heart, I have overcome the world, right? So two things tell us that. The world is going to bring trials. Are you with me? So it's, there's opposition. The world's going to bring trials. That's what Jesus said. I didn't make that up. That's what Jesus said, everybody. I know it's not a promise in your promise book. I am more than a conqueror. Day two, in this world, you will have trials. I don't want that one. Now get rid of that. I want to be more than a conqueror. Well, if you're more than a conqueror, what do you think you're conquering? Conquerors conquer something. Are you with me? I feel like we're having fun today. So, so in this world, it is set against us. There are trials. There are truth. We endure things because we're in a fallen creation. Are you with me? There's loss. Like the enemy, it, the enemy defines what he does. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But there's still this other category of temptation and pain and suffering and things that are just part of a fallen world. People are starving today, not because the devil is real. People are starving today because creation is broken. Okay, all right? So we have to understand then if the world is set against us, how do I overcome the world? First John, John tells us in First John chapter 5, verse 4. So whatever is born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory. Notice the tense of the verbs I'm about to read. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. What is spiritual warfare? Maintaining by faith what Christ has obtained. Are you with me? Are you tracking? So how do I overcome the world? I realize I have faith that Jesus did it all. I have faith that he paid it all. And I have faith that everything that he paid for is mine by the promise of God. That, that, because what do he say? What, comes, what overcomes the world? Those who are born of God, right? But those who are born of God and have faith in what God has done. Are you dragging with me? So the world is set against me. How do I overcome? I realize that it's faith in everything that Jesus has done. So whatever the world tells me, the world tells me today I'm in pain. No, 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 no. 
I have faith that Jesus is paid to heal. I have, the world tells me today I'm addicted. No, 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 no. I have faith that Jesus sets the captive free. Are you with me? It is about walking the life of faith where the enemy has tried to overcome. We don't overcome through belief in ourselves. We overcome by belief in God. This is the victory that has overcome. Do you see that? So what's the victory? He's talking about what Jesus did. This is the victory that has overcome. He's not talking about the victory you win. He's talking about the victory you're in. What he's saying is as believers, we don't live for victory. We live from victory. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. That we're already in the victory of Christ, and by faith, we overcome. Are you with me? Because he's already won every battle. He's already paid every, every price. He's done everything, but the enemy's going to war, and the world's going to come against me, and the world's going to tell me there's no hope, and the world's going to tell me that I don't have purpose, and, and the world's going to tell me that I'm depressed, and then I'm going to say, no, 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 because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, everybody, and I believe everything Jesus has done. And I believe he paid, and he won the victory, and now I'm standing. That's why Paul said, having done all to stand, stand. What are you standing in? You're standing in his victory. Yes. Are you with me? You're overcoming the world. Here's the second, second thing you got to overcome. Well, you got to overcome the devil. This gets us back to Ephesians 6, right? Principalities, powers, rulers, spiritual host of wickedness. Got to overcome the devil, everybody. Well, Pastor, how do I overcome the devil? Well, number one, you have to realize you have authority over him got to realize you have authority. Now, see, you can't have authority over a devil you don't believe in. Now, I don't like to talk. Last week, I told the team, last Sunday, there was a lot of spiritual warfare going on during the services. And I told the team, uh, I mean, just kind of attacking our worship team. We had people out sick. We had just all kinds of things going on. Um, and it was like there was a spirit of slumber that hit the church. And that is a spirit, by the way, there in the Bible. The New Testament the Bible identifies about 16 different demonic spirits by name. Um, and, uh, and I said this, I said, I didn't do anything about it because I don't like to bring a lot of attention to the devil. I, all I want to do is I want to bring enough attention to the devil to get him in your crosshairs and then I want you to pull the trigger. We're not going to worship the devil here. You understand what I'm saying? I was, I've been in churches where I felt like we talk more about the devil than Jesus. Are you with me? We're not going to worship the devil here, but we do have to understand there is one. And you have to overcome. And the way you overcome, number one, is you realize you have authority. Let me read this verse to you. This is Luke chapter 10. Now, I'm going to read this verse. A lot of people have said this verse, which talks about having authority over the enemy, um, was relegated to the 12 apostles or disciples, as you might say, but that's not true. And it's not true because you can read the context. In Luke chapter 9, he sends out the 12. In Luke chapter 10, he sends out 72 other disciples. Okay? So we don't even know most of their names, if we know any of their names. I'm trying to think. There's a couple, I think, that are named later um, that we assume were in this 72. But the point is, these were not the 12. These were just believers. These were just believers, right? Are you a believer? What are you believing? That's a good question, isn't it? If I'm a believer, believers believe, don't they? All right? What are we believing if we're believers? All right, Luke 10. We're believe, let's, be, let's be believing believers, not unbelieving believers. Amen. Luke 10, verse 19, it says, This is what Jesus said. Everybody, it's in red. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Now, he's not talking about slithering and stinging critters. 
We know that from the context. By the way, I have taught on this verse, and we also know it from the rest of the Bible. But you can see it here in the context. I've, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. So what are snakes and scorpions? Well, they're representatives of the enemy. Right? I mean, it's in the context. However, do not rejoice that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So the context here is they come back after going out and preaching. They say, Jesus, this is amazing. Even demons are subject to us in your name. Right? So what's the context of this discourse that he has here with them? They said, we've been casting out demons. Now, if demons don't exist, wonder what they were doing. And then he said this, he said, yeah, because I give you all authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Everybody say all. Everybody say, I have, I have authority over all the power of the enemy. Now, do you believe that? According to Jesus, say it this way, according to Jesus, I, not the pastor, not my mama. Not granny, right? I have authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing will harm me. Woo, that's good. That's good. That's Bible. And then he said, however, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Here's what he's saying. If your name is written in heaven, you have authority over all the power of the enemy. Not some of the power, not some of the time. All the power. You have, you have authority. Everybody see that? You have authority. But now here's the trick. There's a trick to authority. Because authority only works one way. There's something that makes authority work, and it's the only thing that makes authority work. You want to know what it is? James 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee. Oh, now look at this caveat here. Will the devil flee when I resist him? That, that word resist in the Greek just means stand against. It means just, I, you know, when you really know who you are in Christ and you are submitted to him, it's not hard to get rid of the devil. In fact, I think sometimes it's harder to deal with the world than it is the devil. I'm just going to be honest. Because with the devil, when you know who you are in Christ, when it's a demon, you know who you are in Christ. You just kind of say, boo, boo, in Jesus' name. Get out of here. You got to go. Right? Um, there was, I think this is a Smith Wigglesworth story. Pretty sure that's him. If you ever read his biography, I think that's where I got this story. It wasn't in my notes, so I'm, hey, I'm freewheeling right here. I'm freestyling everybody. But Smith Wigglesworth was an incredible evangelist. God really didn't even start using him until he was in his 50s. But he preached the gospel, saw miracles, signs, and wonders. It was incredible in England. He was a plumber that God anointed. And uh, one night, he felt this, I mean, all these weird things started happening. Window blew open. Lights flickered and went out and on and off and all this kind of stuff. And, and so he lit a candle, and he was walking down the hall. And he came face to face with Satan. Now, I don't think Satan's after me because I'm not that important. But if you're Smith Wigglesworth, Satan's probably after you. Because, I mean, people are getting healed and saved and delivered and all kinds of stuff like that. And Smith Wigglesworth, if you could just imagine standing in a dark hallway with a little candle and he's on this side and Satan's standing right there. Now, how many, what would y'all do right there? Some of y'all get Pentecostal. 
Jesus. I didn't believe in running until I ran into the devil. Anyways, here's what, here's what Smith Wigglesworth did. He said, oh, it's just you. And went back to bed. I'm telling you right now, you have authority. Now, Satan doesn't want you to know that. But you have authority over the devil. You have authority over every demon. But here's how authority works, through submission. Authority only works through submission. Strength comes through submission. I'm going to give you something here. Let me, let me see if I can say this the right way. To the degree that you are submitted to the lordship of Christ is to the level of spiritual authority you have. Notice Jesus said, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, if your name is written in heaven, you have authority. You are qualified for authority. But what determines the magnitude of the authority and, quite frankly, your confidence in it is the level of your submission to Jesus. P please understand what I said was your submission to the lordship of Jesus. Because one of the things I feel like is not understood nor taught really in, in the Western church today, today we have the Savior Jesus, but we don't talk about the Lord Jesus. Right? Because, okay, I want a Savior. I want him to save me, and then I want to be in control of my life. But you have to understand he, he is a Lord first and a Savior second. And, and I'm going to say something pretty blunt here. If he's not your Lord, he's not your Savior. What does Lord mean? The word actually um, submit to God that, that James uses means to place under, to give power over, to submit to, and give control to. So let me say it another way. If you're still in control of your life, Jesus is not your Lord. One of the ways Satan knows to keep you from having power over him is to keep you in control of your life. Because he doesn't want you to submit. Because what did James say? Submit to, to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Strength. Spiritual strength. Because we're talking about, i got to save my strength, right? I can't wrestle against flesh and blood. Spiritual strength comes through submission. The way you win spiritual battles is not through your strength. It's through your submission. Submit to God. Resist the devil. So what does it mean? Well, if he's the Lord, it means he's got to be in control. That means his standard is in control. It means what he says, sin is sin, whether I like it or not. Right? When it talks about how he does relationships and what he says about my life, it's, I think we all understand, right, giving control. That means when I make decisions, he gets the final word. That means I'm going to do my finances his way, right? Well, he's the Lord of my life. Well, Jesus said tithe. Do you tithe? No. Well, then he's not the Lord of your finances, Right? Well, he's the Lord of my life. Jesus said, forgive. Have you forgiven them? Well, I'm working on it. He didn't say work on it. He said, forgive them. Like, I know, I know this is kind of rubber meets the road, but I feel like this is helpful. Are you with me? Right? He's the Lord of my life. Well, Jesus said, serve. He's called us all to serve. Are you serving? 
the, the point is that to the degree that I give him, give my life over to him and truly make him the Lord of my life is what gives me the strength in him. Be strong in the Lord to overcome the enemy. You want proof of it? Watch this. I thought about in the Bible, I asked the Lord, what is the strongest thing anyone ever did? I thought about Samson. I thought, man, he killed like how many Philistines with the jawbone of an ass? I just like putting that one in King James. <laughs> he cussed in church. No, I quoted King James. As a kid growing up in the church where everybody preached from the King James, there's a few verses that really excite you because they use that word for donkey. And you're like, oh, praise God. They cussed in church. Hallelujah. And we'd snicker on the back. You just never mind. Anyways, praise the Lord. Just getting those religious demons out of here. That's what we're doing today. But, I mean, Samson did some crazy things, man. And then, you know, even in his death, he killed more Philistines in his death when he pushed those pillars, right, and that whole Colosseum thing came collapsing down. Like, man, Samson did. And I started going through the Bible at some of the crazy things that have been done, like Jonathan and his armor bearer defeating the Philistines when they had one sword between them. I mean, that's pretty intense, especially when all Jonathan said is, well, perhaps God will be with us today. It's like, that that was your word from the Lord? (laughs) Perhaps? Like, I'm going to need a pillar of cloud. I'm going to need fire and burning bush. I need one of those if we're going into battle against the Philistines with an armor bearer and one sword between us. Come on, somebody. Jonathan's word from the Lord. Perhaps the Lord will be with us. <laughs> right, that's intense. But you know the strongest thing, the, the greatest display, display of strength you can find in the Bible is Jesus in Gethsemane. There was no death more gruesome and brutal than a Roman crucifixion. And he knew that he would have to submit to it. Oh, come on. Because he could have made his defense. He could have gotten away. Right? He could have called angels. I mean, he could have went psycho Billy Ninja on them. We're talking about Jesus, everybody. Three times he prays to God, I won't do this, but not my will, but your will. God, I want to do this, but I'm going to give you complete control of my life. God, I want to do this, but I'm going to let you be in charge of everything. And the strength it took, even when they came to arrest him, they brought swords and clubs. And he said, "Why? you could have just taken me in the synagogue. Why are you coming out? Why is the SWAT team out here? I'm just Jesus, man. I'm just a rabbi. I just go around teaching and saying stuff and healing, doing miracles and ticking off religious people. But outside of that, I'm just Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Where did he get the strength to win that spiritual war? Because the victory, by the way, is always won spiritually before you see it naturally. The victory of the cross was won in Gethsemane. That's where the victory was won. And where did Jesus get the strength to do that? Through submission. Where did he get the strength to overcome the enemy? And you know the enemy was going crazy. Right? I mean, it tells us Satan entered Judas. I mean, the Bible tells us that. Where did he get that strength? From submission. Here's what I'm saying. Listen to me. You were created to win. You were created to be victorious. You were created to overcome. God did not create you to lose. And you need to understand there are two forces against you, the world and the enemy of our soul. 
but you need to understand what Jesus said. He said, in this world you'll have trial, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And then you understand what John said, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. And then you understand what James said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. I'm telling you, right now you have everything you need to win. Everything you need to win in your home, with your family, with your kids, with your spouse, in your business. You have everything you need to win. All we have to do is stand in what Christ, the victory that he's obtained, we have to maintain it and submit our lives to God. Let him be in control and then resist the devil. And we can save our strength and we can win. Amen. Come on. Can you give Jesus praise today? I want you to stand with me today. And this is what I ask the Holy Spirit. And we have time for this, so don't stress out. This is what I ask. I asked the Holy Spirit that there'd be an impartation of strength today. So I, I want, if you need to move, that's fine. But if you don't need to move, stay with me just a minute. Because I, I believe this is a holy moment. Because I'm going to pray. And I feel like, remember what we said, be strong in the Lord. That was in Dunamo, which was to be filled with the, the power of God. Right? To be filled with the faith of God. Actually, have the strength to submit and su- submit our lives to God, whatever. But I just felt from the Holy Spirit there'd be an impartation of strength. I, I know there are people in here today that are exhausted. I know there are people watching online. They couldn't even get here. They're so tired. And I get it. I understand. But I want you to know He is our strength. He is our strength. And we can be strong in Him. And I want to pray over you today just as we conclude. I'm going to go ahead and ask our, our prayer team to come because we will have prayer individually for anyone who needs prayer. But once we start this prayer, I, I don't want to have to call them. So if you're on prayer team, you're serving that way, come on and help us. That'd be awesome. But I want you right now, let's bow our heads or close our eyes. You don't have to bow your head. Just I just want you to connect with God for a minute. Holy Spirit, you are in this room. And Paul told us to be strong, not in ourselves, but to be strong in you. And God, I know there are people in this room right now that are just worn out. I get it. They've been wrestling. The world's been been working against them. Satan's been working against them. The strategies of the enemy. God, no one is exempt from that. But Lord, today, we can be victorious. You have paid for the victory. God, our faith is in you, and we can overcome the world. And God, we make you the Lord of our life, and we will resist the devil, and he will flee. And so, God, today, today, I'm praying for an impartation of strength for my friends, for my family. We just put your hands out to receive it. Lord, I believe in this moment, Holy Spirit, I believe you are here to minister strength. Just as angels came and strengthened Jesus and angels came and strengthened Elijah, God, we see it in the Bible where you send spiritual help for spiritual battles. God, that's what we're asking for. Not, not, Not God strengthen ourselves, not just a greater resolve, but really a greater submission, really a greater surrender. And God, I believe even now, God, the Spirit of God is in this room and He is pouring out strength and pouring in strength. Lord, I just declare we are strong in You. We are strong in You. We receive Your strength. We receive Your strength. Holy Spirit, fill us fresh with the power of God, with the Spirit of God, with the fervor of God. Lord, in this room, God, where people have felt hopeless, 
where they've been discouraged or depressed or anxious, God, we just break that off of them and say, God, they are strong in the Lord today. They are strong in the Lord and in the power of your mind. Everybody say that. I am strong. I am strong. I am strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. One more time, I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. One more time, I am strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. And I will overcome in Jesus' name. Come on, give Jesus praise today. I feel the presence of God in this room. Woo! 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 I hope there's not a devil in that parking lot. Y'all gonna kill him. Y'all gonna kill him. Guys, God is moving. Be strong in the Lord. This week, don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Be strong in the Lord this week. We're going to win. Amen. Listen, if you need prayer today for anything, we want to pray. If you need more prayer about this, we want to pray. If you need encouragement, we want to pray. Today, if you need a genuine relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit speaking to you about that, and you know, because you just kind of feel it in here, like, man, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with anyone who needs prayer. If you're online, you can text my pathway prayer. Uh, to 94,000 and someone pray with you this way. But guys, I feel good about today. God's moving, amen. Be strong in the Lord, everybody. God bless you, I love you. Come on, let's give Jesus one more praise. One more praise. All right, go take over your world. We'll see you next weekend. Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. And I just wanna say thank you for joining us. And I wanna encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look. Our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.